0: You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we preview and review the big business and market stories with Craig Earlham, Oanda Senior Market Analyst. And how are you doing, Craig?
1: I'm good, mate. I'm good. I've had a a, a busy month. I've had a a lot of trips, stag do's, holidays. All right for some. I know. It's been lovely. It's been expensive, but it's been lovely. Quite broken. But, uh, Your beloved Liverpool are European champions. I, I mean know. You're living the dream, aren't you? Really? I know. And I was over in Spain as well, and uh, like that was in- that was incredible. I mean, it not was... actually in Madrid, though. I believe. No, no, I was, <laughs> didn't I was, quite <laughs> make it. I was to... <laughs> a little bit down the road. I didn't yeah. quite make it to Madrid. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was. <laughs> Can you
0: explain that to the listeners? Um, yeah, the I game mean, game was in Madrid. The game was in and Madrid, and aware? I was
1: in Barcelona. Uh, I was with a group of friends, most of which weren't Liverpool fans. So oddly enough. Uh, some Evertonians and some uh, non-football fans didn't fancy making the trip across to Madrid to uh, celebrate with Liverpool fans. Right, I, I do get I do get their point. I'm not bitter in the slightest. I promise.
0: Anybody <laughs> listening who has no idea what he's talking about, Evertonians are the Everton supporters. Everton being yeah, the sort of...
1: uh, Everton's the other club in our city, the other main club in our city, big yeah. rivals. I wouldn't travel to Madrid to watch them, so why would they come to Madrid to exactly. watch us? Right, let's get on
0: to to business matters. Markets, in fact, have enjoyed a a bit of a rally while you've been away. Is there a connection?
1: (laughs) Yeah, very much celebrating me not being there, I think. (laughs) Um, They've really perked up. It's actually been quite nice because it seems like uh, there's been a lot of pessimism basically since Q4 last year. We did have a rebound at the start of the year, but that started to fade as we were nearing the highs again. So we've actually seen a bit of a pickup. The only issue is that we're not picking up based on better economic expectations. We're not seeing it pick up because of major macro risks being resolved. In fact, the US-China has very much deteriorated over the last month. Instead, it's because... Markets started to price in Fed interest rate cuts because the data was starting to soften. Non-farm payrolls, for example, we saw earlier this month were very weak, even though the average is still around 175000 over a six-month rolling average period. We are slightly trending downwards, um, even if th- unemployment 3.6% is still remarkable. Uh, but I think people are looking at the trends recently and they are starting to become concerned and inflation is dipping as well, particularly those on goods that haven't been tariffed yet. So there are concerns, and I think markets were starting to price in rate cuts long before the Fed was. Most people primarily agreed that the fourth rate hike of last year in December was a, a horrendous mistake. Now it looks as if the Fed has opened the door to reversing some of those. So we had a few comments early last week, including from Jay Powell, effectively leaving the door open to rate cuts before the end of the year. And that really buoyed the markets, because markets were 7 8% off uh, the highs at that point. Uh, and they wanted to hear confirmatory tones from these Fed officials, that says we're not on hold, we're not raising interest rates, we are very much open to cutting interest rates in order to support the economy. And what Powell effectively said is the economy comes first. So, Marcus were really warned by that. And since then, we've just been tearing higher.
0: Although we're not going to see, I believe, a rate cut announced next week, the chances are around about 20%, aren't they? But going forward, almost 100%, is that right?
1: Yeah, it's it crackers, to be honest, I think, uh, Fed expectations right now. You may wonder if they've left the door open and people like James Bullard have suggested that a rate cut is very much on the table. Th- these comments haven't changed expectations for this month. Now, you... I've not heard many people talking about why that is. From my perspective, I think it's got a lot to do with the G20 meeting at the end of this month. President Trump is due to meet President Xi Jinping uh, of China at this G20 meeting, although it's not been confirmed from the Chinese side, which is quite interesting. And, And I think people are waiting to see how that goes because ultimately how many times we see rate cuts this year is probably going to be highly dependent on how this goes. If we see some positive developments and they start to talk up the ability, the possibility of a deal in, in, in a matter of weeks, then I think that really changes rate cut expectations because that's a massive economic headwind, not just for the US, not just for China, but globally because they are the world's two largest economies, major trading partners of almost everybody. Um, so I think that massively changes things. So it'd be weird for the Fed to decide to cut interest rates prior to that and I think that's what the market's really banking on but then you look to the July meeting and it's more than 80% priced in for at least one cut you look at the uh, go all the way out to December and we're now I'm looking at the screen we're now about 61% priced in for three rate cuts by December wow that's that's mental but I mean it's that that's now where markets are positioning that's the type of reaction that the markets are expecting but I think markets currently aren't expecting progress on trade
0: so Craig if not now When is the cut going to happen, the first cut at least?
1: if we don't get any progress at that g20 meeting then i think july uh, looks highly likely and the interesting thing about that is i can't remember the last time we actually had a monetary policy change uh, from the federal reserve in a month that wasn't march june september or december the reason being the reason why they've tended to go in those months is because that's when we get new economic projections so it almost justifies the need to be in the past hiking interest rates so it would be interesting change of stance from the fed if they feel like they couldn't wait till september to cut interest rates it would give that sense of urgency if we do see progress and they do suggest that they've overcome their differences then i definitely think they could hold off until september and maybe this year you only see one rate cut i think that is the difference and that's why this prospect of three rate cuts being more priced in than not i i do find staggering at this stage because it's very much built on the assumption that we don't see any progress at all
0: What are the risks, though, in holding back to the US economy?
1: The risks uh, in terms of the economy is that the Fed has to play a far more active role. So we have to see more interest rate cuts to stop the economy deteriorating. If Trump's going to follow through on these final $325 billion of tariffs there's a lot more consumer goods in there they've been very much selected to hold back the consumer goods trump didn't want to upset u.s consumers unless it was absolutely necessary if u.s consumers obviously start to see their prices going up then that's where it could have an actual significant economic impact and again i think he's not going to want to do that unless he absolutely has to because we are heading into an election year next year some progress needs to be seen and if you're going into the election and you've got people feeling worse off and you've got the economy slipping maybe even people talking about a recession and you've got equity markets finding life difficult. That is not a good situation, which is why I'm a bit more optimistic about this meeting at the end of this month, because it feels like the downside risks for all concerned far outweigh the upside. And if Trump can deliver, he'll probably win. I think so. I don't think he has a a very good opponent. I mean, the the favourite right now is Joe Biden. And to be honest, I, I don't, Think he has what it takes to defeat Trump if the economy is good. There's always there's that old cliche, isn't it? It's the economy, stupid. Yeah. And at the moment, the economy is strong. Unemployment at 3.6% like him or loathe him if he's going into that election with 3.6% unemployment and he can claim to have improved that NAFTA and he can claim to have got a trade deal with China that undoes a lot of the fairness for for a number of years, if he can claim to have increased the number of manufacturing jobs, if he can claim to have improved the situation at the Mexican border, whether you can agree with the data or not, because most people won't look into the data, all they see is what's reported on the news and in the newspapers, then I don't see anyone being able to actually beat him in that election let alone, uh, and I know my knowledge of Joe Biden may not be that fantastic, but I don't think he he, he strikes me as the type of person who has the charisma, the character to uh, beat someone like Donald Trump. And I wonder whether there are people there who possibly could have the potential to actually do so who are looking at the situation going, why face Trump now when I can have a run at someone else in five years' time?
0: Although the other adage in the words of Harold Macmillan, a little bit before your time, Craig. But, Just a wee uh, bit
1: events dear boy is what
0: he used to say and uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the next year and actually we've seen this week these tensions in the gulf of oman those attacks on the shipping tankers the u.s says that iran is responsible and that's had an effect on the price of oil now this is relatively a minor event but it just shows you uh, you can never really envisage what might lie ahead We're talking about Trump, yeah, steady economy, doing quite well, but something could happen in the next 18 months that will squash all that.
1: It's worth noting that the reason why traders and officials get so nervous when we do see a flare-up here in this area of the world is because if we look at the Strait of Hamuz, there's actually around 20% of global oil supply actually passes through that on a daily basis. Around a third of all seaborne oil passes through that on a, on a daily basis. So this is the piece, the bit of water in between Oman and Iran. So any flare-up that we see here, any risk that this, this this area of water could be either closed off or shipping containers could avoid that area could have a massive impact on the supply of crude. And I know that the downside of supply isn't something we've talked about recently because we're actually been talking about oversupply for so long, but when you're talking about that amount of oil in this part of the world such a volatile area Then that is naturally a concern the spike. We've seen in oil this week. We saw four percent yesterday That's actually now flat again today It came off about half of that the reason why I think we haven't seen a bigger spike in that is a because as you say This was still a relatively minor event at this moment in time But we did have also the event last month when there was uh, four ships um, that were uh, That were sabotaged and again the finger was pointed at Iran by the us and saudi arabia still the early days which is why we're not seeing this get out of hand but these things are flaring up but i think it's also been helped by the fact that we do still have this oversupply situation we do still have the us pumping oil at record levels printing another record number earlier this week we also have the fact that we've got uh, the IEA today reporting that global oil demand is at now for this year is likely to be 100,000 barrels a day less than it was when it was previously reported a month ago. And it was downwardly revised then. So we've got a situation where we're still in an oversupplied market, and we're facing. Lower demand because of the global economic slowdown that people are anticipating. So, when you take all these factors, there's a lot of downward pressure on oil at the moment. I think that's the only reason why we haven't seen a bigger spike in oil on this story. If we continue to see these flare ups and we continue to see hostility involving Iran, then this could get much worse for oil prices. And I think this is maybe something that Donald Trump hasn't anticipated the, uh, if this is Iran, and that's obviously a big if, these are accusations at the moment, there's no actual evidence from what I've seen that this is Iran. But if this is just dirty games from Iran, Iran showing that yes, you know what, you can choke off our economy, you can try and reduce our oil exports to zero, but we can have a massive impact that's going to very massively negatively affect you as well, then you, you worry how much further this could go.
0: Okay, let's turn to the UK and we're in the midst of this leadership election still quite a few weeks to go before we're going to know who the next prime minister is but all the money is now on boris johnson surely
1: oh, i mean th- th- that vote this week you've basically put him straight into the final two he got a third of all the votes if i'm not mistaken w- w- went to boris he had three times as many votes as uh as jeremy hunt jeremy hunt who yeah. finished in second place obviously michael gove just behind him we've had one person fall out of the uh, of the contest today we had my pick from the last pod I'm not gonna forget that Andrea ledson fall out the race straight at the uh, straight at the that first took just fence.
0: two weeks for you to get that wrong um
1: uh, I, I do you know what I mean <laughs> just I stick to the mark kind of Craig, I kind right? of regretted it straight away because uh, we're on reflection from how the previous uh, contest went I think I was just being uh, torn by the fact that I actually think she's a very likeable character. I think she... Really? Of, 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 of all of the... You related uh, by any chance? Uh, <laughs> of, of, of all of the candidates here, I think speaks probably some of the most sense. Well... And-
0: well, let's be honest it's Rory Stewart who's certainly fitted that bill over the last week or so suddenly people are saying you know people on the other side of the non- Tories mm. saying oh they, they can relate to him and polling has shown that he's actually the most popular uh, apart from Boris Johnson but he's got absolutely no chance
1: yeah I was, I was actually listening to podcast from the times yesterday interviewing Rory Stewart and he is he does actually sound a very likable character I yeah. mean he's someone who's completely come out of the periphery that I don't think most people will have heard of but he's got a massive social media media following and he admitted this himself he models his approach to all this on trump uh, on the idea that i don't need newspapers backing me i don't need the telegraph or anyone else backing me i just need to put a post out on youtube and then put it on twitter and i can get far more attention than i ever would in a newspaper article so i think he's trying things a completely different way and i think he'll probably do again this is probably my some words but he'll probably do a lot better than most people anticipate because i think the tory mps will look at him and say do you know what he doesn't have a stand a chance against boris because he doesn't favour no deal he's very much opposed to no deal and I think the membership are very much okay with no deal and if um, I think more favourite than not so I think he wouldn't stand maybe stand a chance against Boris but I think he'll do a lot better in this contest because Tory they'll they'll look at him and they'll say you know what he is doing something in a new way and I think this is the most important thing he's reaching a group of voters which the current conservative party are really struggling to reach out to
0: isn't that the point of Boris Johnson though Uh, love him or loathe him he does cut through because he's got the charisma and he's got the popularity amongst those voters who are swing voters, perhaps voted to even Labour at the last election, who know who he is. I mean, the rest of them are fairly neutral or invisible, uh, with the exception maybe of uh, a couple that you've mentioned already. Having said all that, which candidate do you think markets would prefer? Surely they would prefer the guy most likely, because we know it's now going to be a, definitely going to be a man, the guy most likely to beat Jeremy Corbyn in a general election, that surely is what markets would prefer. And that man would be Boris Johnson.
1: But that man also is threatened to take us out of the EU without a deal on well, the 31st of October. So I think from a market's perspective, I think they probably prefer Jeremy Hunt because Jeremy Hunt steady pair of rich, hands, steady pair of hands. Personally, I think that'd be one of the worst nominations, just simply because I don't see very much difference between Jeremy Hunt and, uh, and Theresa May. To be honest, their approach seems very similar there.
0: And can he beat Corbyn? Uh, well? And
1: I'm not sure he he can beat Corbyn. I think it'd be a tight race. I think. You look at someone like Boris Johnson, you think, well, he, he, he probably could unite the Tory membership. He probably could unite Tory, well, Tory he's, voters.
0: He's united Tory MPs, hasn't yeah, he? Because I you've mean, got MPs from both sides of the equation, Remainers and Brexiteers.
1: And to be honest, I don't think it's all about defeating Jeremy Corbyn at this point. I think come the next election, it's going to be who's going to get the biggest vote. Is it going to be the Conservatives and Brexit Party, or is it going to be Labour and Labour? ...and the Lib Dems. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's going to be any party getting a majority next time around. I think support for the main two parties has slipped a lot since the last election... ...and I think support for the other two has grown considerably... And I think the only way we have a leadership election now, especially in the near term, is if a deal doesn't get through and then support for the Brexit party surges. But I think the most important thing here is, I know last time I obviously got it wildly wrong with Andrea Leadsom, but it's so hard to look past Boris now because he seems to tick the boxes. Who's Uh, who's your number two, though? My number two pick for who gets the second place? I would say it's going to be Jeremy Hunt. Right. Um, just because he does seem to have a following amongst Tory MPs. I think he's got the Remainer vote among Tory MPs. I think he's seen as a steady pair of hands, and we know by the very name that Conservatives can be quite Conservative. I think you look at Theresa May, and you can very much see that was a Conservative option at a time when they probably needed to be a bit more ambitious. But ultimately, Boris Johnson suits a chaotic, desperate time. And the last 12 months has become quite chaotic and quite desperate. And it's very much being painted as chaotic and desperate by Boris Johnson himself. And this, is, this seems to be the platform for which he is here.
0: Lots of comparisons, though, between Boris Johnson and Donald Trump, though. And that chaos and not knowing what he's going to do next, populism charisma. Donald Trump isn't doing so badly at the moment and possibly Boris Johnson could do the same for the United Kingdom.
1: We say that Donald Trump isn't doing too badly and yes the, the economy is good but when we look at the situation the only reason why we seem to have global macroeconomic risk right now is because of the trade wars which he is engaged in. Uh, the only reason uh, you look at how the economy's doing yes he has got some solid growth over the past 18 months but that was a massive interest rate cut and we don't know what the long term negative implications of that are going to be just because things haven't taken a turn for the worse yet it doesn't mean they won't and it doesn't mean they will either i, I mean i should stress that i just think it's we had a cut two two and a half years whatever it is it, it's not an enormous amount of time to actually judge People on, so yes, um, Boris Johnson could come in and do well. And do you know what? He could surprise a lot of people and his controversial antics and his controversial comments and his, his very bombastic. Uh, I mean, starting with quite a low bar, isn't he? Really? Yeah, it, it, it could do well. When we're looking for a, a point of reference for how he's done. His time as foreign minister was appalling. Uh, when we look at how he did as London mayor, I'm sure there's plenty of things mm, he can look at okay. for, for achievements. But he's attached to Boris bikes. He's he's atta- But I mean, how much of that is his achievement? You want to compare? Uh, Boris Johnson, and Donald Trump—they could be taken on two very different economies. When, but when Donald Trump took over the U.S. economy, it may not have been firing on all cylinders, but unemployment was still at very, very low levels. Just Democracy like the UK, was very strong. Just and, like the UK, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the overall economy was on a positive trajectory. Whereas Boris Johnson could be mm. taken over as prime minister of the UK at a time when, if he takes No Deal, it could be very different.
0: Here's me trying to be positive. Then what's come over me? Um, we've got a Bank of England decision in the week to come as well, but we're not expecting any change from the three-quarter percent, are we?
1: No, and uh, I think the interesting thing here is when we look at the Bank of England, the expectations are actually they were not at zero. We're not expecting anything, and we're not expecting anything for the rest of this year.
0: Can I ask you, what's going on in the US with interest rates? Does that affect their decision-making at all?
1: I don't think so. I think uh, they probably, you, you probably do see that central banks will probably not necessarily be talking to each other, but they know what's happening at other central banks. They know what's happening with other economies. They know how that, the implications of it that. Kind of protects the pound a bit, economy. doesn't it?
0: If the United States are planning to drop rates, that does protect the pound.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the pound right now, it's been dropping against the euro for some time, but it's plateaued against the dollar because the dollar's been dropping. So it's obviously always the comparables, but other central banks have cut interest rates as well. The Australian central bank, the New Zealand central bank. We've got a couple of other actually central bank decisions next week, which we should know. I think it's the RBA and the BOJ uh, are both making decisions next week, but there's only so much we can actually fit into a show and they're not expecting to actually do anything either. From a UK perspective, i just like to say, I think the interesting thing here is the fact that just No movement is actually expected from the Bank of England anytime soon. Interest rate probabilities for the UK, for example, and it's expected 100% to remain unchanged at the meeting next week. That's no surprise. But if we go all the way out to August 2020, so we're talking a year and two months away, there's a 75 percent chance that interest rates are exactly where they are now and a twenty five percent chance that they're cut. So I think people are very much looking at this situation and I know we talk about the trade situation in the US being fluid and anything can happen, anything can change. That's no more true than with Brexit and I think for the next few months, at least while we've got the leadership contest and then we've got maybe some negotiations I think people are just looking at interest rates in the UK and saying being a Bank of England uh, monetary policy official must be the easiest job in the world right now once a month. You come out, you say no change, and then you go home.
0: Suits me fine, because I've got a tracker mortgage, so (laughs) I'm happy about that. Thank you. And we've got the latest inflation figures coming up too.
1: They've got some really interesting data. I mean, I think next week is very UK focused when you consider the leadership contest, the Bank of England and our retail sales and inflation, two very important pieces of economic data. I guess... But what I've just said about the Bank of England means that it does take some of the interest away from it because it doesn't actually change what people are expecting when it comes to interest rates. But inflation is at 2.1%. We're not expecting much change there. It's been on a slight positive trajectory over the last couple of months. But again, I don't think it's going to change the way the Bank of England are acting. And to be honest, when inflation's a target, there's no rush to actually do anything. Uh, and retail sales they've been a bit little bit jumpy so far this year, but generally um, a little bit positive again it's just a lot of this right now is influenced by people's perception on Brexit we've had modest uh, retail sales spending um, so I think I think at this moment in time anything along those lines will be taken as a positive because we just kind of need to trod through this year and hope that by the end of the year we have much more clarity and we're in a situation where the economy can actually take off again.
0: Craig thanks very much for joining us today Uh, enjoy your weekend we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you.